All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Episode of the Hordes of Chaos, episode 120 in the Middle Town Radio Podcast. We are here on a Saturday, enjoying what we can. <laughs> I drug Anubis to Home Depot because I always like a good project. And he was like, you're doing what now? What are you doing? I'm like, you'll be at work. Don't worry about it because he's going to work tomorrow. Well, she, she got a new Jeep. and. Mm-hmm. Now she thinks she's driving around a fucking dump truck and she can put whatever the fuck she wants in it at any weight capacity, which is impossible. I have the 2.4 engine, by the way. Yeah. And it's a 4x4 four four with four-wheel drive. When you start adding in, like, tons of brick, it, it really changes. Yeah, he was like, how many do you want? 42? Uh-uh, we're, we're cutting that down. Yeah, we concentrate on what we need it exactly for at the moment. She can always go back and take it piece by piece, but... Uh, I think she kind of uh, overestimated on what her Jeep can handle, so uh, it would be tough for even a, a pickup to handle what she wanted to do. So. But I told you I did my research, and I found these because I'm putting in like a little patio because we have a shed and we want to put the shed on the patio, and um, they're the instead of having to use like I forgot like what the math was, but you have to put sand down for these these pavers and if you I found these they're like sheets of they level out the pavers for you which is really awesome and um, you don't have to like dig as deep and you don't have to use as much sand and that's what I was saying to Anubis like look this is saving me like 12 bags of of leveling sand and saving me from like digging down another six inches i only have to dig like two inches i have my leveler and then it should be easy peasy so we'll see how easy peasy it is tomorrow when i'm cussing at it right uh today's show uh we actually have one track uh from a label it's quabar um 
Not that I wanted to do it that way, but I had a lot of new stuff that I had to kind of work in from other sources. So, uh, but next episode we'll have a lot more from the labels that are sending me stuff. I'm still getting them all worked in and whatnot. But we've got brand new stuff from Disaster, Flotsam and Jetsam, Halloween, Burning Witches, Bird Flesh, Unfathomable Ruination, Typhonian, Hanging Garden, Naja, Sojourner, and Impaled Nazarene. Uh, in the rock block, new stuff from Sarith Ungal, Gary Newman. Mm-hmm. His new stuff coming out. I love Gary Newman. Steve Von Till, uh, Genghis Tron, and also Neko's Pick of the Week. And, of course, we're going to kick it off with a... Well, actually, I wanted to get into this first because I had an idea for a new show. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> we actually kind of toyed with this many years ago, actually, you and I. Actually, when we were still doing it live on, I think, Vertical Radio, maybe. Um where we would go and we would just listen to a whole album and break it down while we were talking about it. I did that one time with, um... <sighs> Metal Church was one of them. Yeah, Metal Church. was the other. Nocturnus. But I think if we made a, a show just dedicated to playing one full album that's like a classic and talk about the song track by track, uh, that might be a lot of fun. I don't know what to call it yet. Not sure how we're going to do it or fit it in because we've got so much going on as it is. But my big brain is telling me we need to do something like this because I have a particular album in mind I would love to do. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens and how that goes. But uh, we're going to kick off our first block with a bunch of uh, metal classics. Got some forced entry in there, Hyrax, which I'm starting to really get into their stuff. Um, going to kick it off to some classic Motorhead, Lemmy and Company doing Bomber. <laughs> Down. 
there, this is Rhino of Enclave, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Check this out. Alright, we are back. At least some of us are. Missy's not a... Um, I'm, I'm looking at, at our next topic. Uh, so yeah, um... We kind of started watching some YouTube stuff. Obviously, we've gotten into a lot of YouTube personalities. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's Fat Samurai Guy or the charismatic voice, uh, Elizabeth, uh, who listens and does, like, uh, music reviews and cuts through them and explains stuff. But came across a guy named, uh, or at least a YouTube channel called Dave's Little Beasties. And uh, I don't know, like... I'm always terrified of spiders, but I'm also very curious about them. See, I'm not... That's funny, is because I'm not afraid of spiders. I mean, I'm sure if there was, like, a thousand spiders all over my body, I might be freaked out, but I think spiders are really pretty and cool, and, you know... Well, I do find them very interesting to look at. And just the fact that they can, like, spin webs out of their butt is really, really cool to me. (laughs) Yeah, I can't spin webs out of my butt, so... But I, I always, like... Some of these spiders that he has are just so exotic and beautiful in color. They're blue. They the um the one that I I liked that had the pink feet. It yeah. was adorable. Pink toe. Pinky toe. It's you know, and they're soft looking, and the you, the pink toe is like really laid back too. So I'm like really considering getting a pink toe tarantula. Like I'm. I'm yeah, you know, I, we've got the. Uh... <laughs> The 100 gallon tank uh, that we aren't using like i used to actually i kept igor when i he was like a red stripe mexican red stripe or something he was like a, just an ordinary tarantula but i kept him in like a 20 gallon tank or something but we got a big guy because we were we put anubis who was our rat but we had him in there for a dave while. uh you know he keeps all his in like these like it, it, i don't know what was the size 10 by and they're bioderm or something where it, 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 he takes like natural moss and yeah he actually goes out and digs this stuff up and uses it for the terrariums and uh he's got you know he, he puts a lot of work into them because he's got you know he puts real plants in them they're biodegradable to actually uh somehow they're able to like he lays down these like clay rocks first and then uh, a little bit of a that black plastic thing you would see like when you want to keep out weeds or whatever but like the mesh yeah yeah and then he tops that with soil and, and he's it, like it's just regular potting soil that i get from yeah the, the gardening store he yeah. said there's nothing special he's like the cheaper is actually the better right and then he puts his plants in and then he's got like moss that he's actually taken from outside while well, he says there's nothing in there that would hurt the spiders it's all natural stuff they have like little bugs that are in there uh, that help do all that stuff, and it keeps it like what does he say? Like it keeps like a natural humidity. He just goes right. in and sprays it like yeah. every so often, right? So, and but the the little she at the bottom keeps it from going to the clay rock. So that's what's good. That's how it separates itself and keeps it from getting moldy or whatever. I guess at that point, but. Uh, He's very good at taking care of these. He goes through, you know, step by step how to do this. Uh, he actually breeds them. Like, that's that's a very interesting thing. Because here's the thing you got to remember. The spiders they have, most of them, or at least some of the ones we've seen, have been, they're actually venomous. Like, funnel webs and all of them. He's managed to get a hold of 
these particular types of spiders that can be very deadly if you're messing around too much and not paying attention. Uh, but it's very cool because he will go and he will try to pair them up and, you know, get them to do their thing, get, get it on, whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, he has to get them back out. So it's like, it, it, he's, he shows you how to do it. He's got this little brush that he helps kind of like coax Yeah, he uses a little teeny tiny paintbrush. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything to give them a shock to the system. Sometimes, like, like the funnel webs can be aggressive anyway. So, like, he has to find ways to maneuver them without... You know, getting them really angry, mm-hmm. but, but most of the time he does a pretty good job. They usually just get in and like, okay, I'm done being angry, and then we'll go do whatever they. He's want like, to. oh look, there's a new log for me to sit on. And we've seen a couple episodes where he's actually had to take out egg sacks for the babies, and what he does with those is pretty very interesting because he's got to separate them because some spiders will just end up eating them, <laughs> which is crazy. Right. We yeah, like, uh, and they're so tiny, like this. There's little tiny spiders, like. He said they, they were like, like little blobs. Yeah, he said they were like what one millimeter in size, maybe two millimeter in yeah, size. Yeah, and, and his, his his coworker who does the filming. And I stuff, think it's his wife. Yeah, she uh, actually ends up counting them. Like she'll sit there with a brush and, and count them out to how many they have. And I, I always wonder. I, I have to try to ask him sometime if I can get on his channel and ask or whatever. But uh, try to figure out like. What does he do with them once they get to a certain... Because he does keep them until they get almost, like, furry and all that stuff. But then, like, he says they naturally kind of kill each other off a little bit. So, you've got your numbers dwindle a bit. But does he go and sell them outright? Does he separate them to other containers separately? What does he do? Because uh, there's, like... Sometimes there's a hundred of them that you have to deal with. And it's, like, really crazy, but... And again, they're you know I don't know if they're smaller, they're not probably not as a big a problem with the venom and stuff. At least when they're like you know the size of your fingernail. But uh, yeah, he's got a lot of cool spiders. A lot of ones like I don't know if he he has some spiders that like re- remind me a little bit of like because one of the ones I've liked was a Venezuelan sun tiger. It's like this bluish striped uh, tarantula that uh, is very cool looking. And uh, the Singapore blue, he might have one of those. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. He's like, he's so blue, like, he's got blue legs, and yeah, so cool. Yeah, he's got some very crazy, some are like white, which is kind of cool, like white uh, stripes on him and stuff. But... I think he and and I he feeds some cockroaches. See, that's what grosses me out because I hate cockroaches and I hate crickets, and that's what you have to feed them. And yeah. well, yeah, well, like when he has like all the little ones in the little tank, you know, he'll start with these like little baby crickets that don't actually chirp. He says non-chirping crickets, so Neko would love that because it doesn't make any noise. Yeah, I'm not really into the noise. But it's like the little baby crickets and some fruit flies when they're very young, and they'll go and they'll eat those up. But then as they get bigger, obviously they need bigger food. And the larger ones, obviously they've got these massive cockroaches that... Uh, and then he breeds himself. Yeah, I assume he would. I mean, look, he does everything else himself. Why not breed him, you know? Oh, here's one that's a white knee, and it looks like snow. Yeah. It literally, like, it's got all these white little hairs, but it's... Very beautiful spiders. Um, they just—they look like you want to pet them, and like I said, the pink one—you can. It just... He's almost, you know. But when we listen to him, like at the end, he's like, you know, be gentle, be calm, love your spiders. It's almost like he's the Mister Rogers of spider keeping, you know. 
And he's so good to his spiders. Like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He uh, massive respect for him. Um, he always says to, especially with, like, funnel webs and, you know, spiders like that. Like, I think he has, a, doesn't he have a banana spider? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has, like, quite a few of the spiders. The that, giant Japanese funnel web. This motherfucker is crazy. Yeah. And uh, you just, you know, those spiders, he's right. You When you try to, like, this is a hobby, obviously, and he's, he's very serious about it, and he tells people that, you know, these, are, these aren't beginner spiders, so you don't start with these he type of spiders. He said the pink one was? Well, I think the pinky toe, I don't think it's a poisonous spider. I think, you know, all these spiders could bite you, but some tarantulas aren't poisonous, other ones are. But he also said that they're very, like, not timid, but... Um, I mean, uh, like not aggressive. Like I'm sure if you really were fucking with it, but you saw him with the pink toe, he just like opened up the thing and, and moved it over and gave it like a little tap and it moved. Like right. it didn't get aggressive. It didn't like rear up or anything. But I think she was the same one though that when he was trying to remove the egg sac, she wasn't letting go. <laughs> She's like, "This She's is like, mine. You cannot take my spot. These my are my babies. babies." Right. So. He was having a little difficulty with one of the spiders, but, you know, he, he didn't force it. He didn't hurt the spider. He found ways to get her out of there and then got the egg sac removed because she had already eaten the first batch. Yeah, he said it's the first egg sac that she had. She ate it. And, uh, I mean, I get it. They're they're carnivorous, so right. you're hungry enough. But it was it's just really, really interesting, and I I love spiders. You know, I, I get really... I don't kill spiders in the house because they kill other bugs. Right. The, the, like, I'm trying to think. We have one on our porch, and it always... It's a big orb weaver, and you can tell because he's got that big butt. And the they make the web right where we walk every day, and I feel really guilty because I'm like, again, really? I have to... So... Well, they like those corners, and that's the thing. Like, you know, it's... The thing is, like, I probably wouldn't care as much, but when you're in the middle of the night and you don't see it... And, and you walk like, in and you're like... Pip, 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 and all of a sudden you feel something crawling on your arm or leg. You're like... Because these things are big and they're ugly. And, I mean, they're, they I don't they could bite you, but they're not known to hurt anybody, really. They're just there because they want to eat bugs. <laughs> yeah. Give me some bugs. I'm actually, like... I am okay watching it until he starts feeding them, and then I'm like, nope. Nope. And Anubis was just watching something, um, it was roaches versus some other bug, and I'm like, I can't, I hate roaches, they're so gross! What was it, the assassin bug or something? Yeah, well, I haven't watched the video for that, and I'm not, I don't know too much about it, although they do say, these are bugs that are great for gardens, they can bite humans, uh, it, uh, what is it, a kissing bug is a relation to one of these types of creatures. Um, but I don't know too much about him, but apparently he's, like, either, uh, raised them or something. I don't know. Uh, you don't know his story on that yet? Right. I haven't really looked into that. He does do, uh, you said he's done scorpions before. I haven't seen anything on that yet. He has a, he has reptiles too. And he had a, a frog. I forgot what kind of spider it was. It was a pretty serious spider and the frog like fuck that spider up it was a big bullfrog oh really yeah yeah i might need to watch that oh it, i was like <laughs> eh, eh. because at first i thought the spider was gonna fuck up the bullfrog but then the, they're like the spider would launch at the bullfrog and the bullfrog would like eat a leg and then it has like 
you know. I did that once with a, a regular toad here in Maryland. I had my aquarium when I was still living with Pops and them, and I found his big ass fucking wolf spider. This sucker looked was so big, it had to be like that big. It looked, but like it, like the size of it was like a little tarantula. Oh. So I, I really I thought it can't be a real wolf spider. That thing was thick. And so I put it in there, and I thought, well, let's see what the toad does. And the toad literally tried to attack it, but those fangs on that fucker wouldn't let it happen. So eventually I just had to separate because neither one was going to win the battle there. You're like, this is a stalemate right Toad's now. like, you know, that dude bites a little bit too much. I don't want him. Yeah, I don't want to mess with him. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool, some of this stuff and how these spiders and things can work. And you're right, like, when you say he's the Mr. Rogers of... Uh, He's just got this nice calming voice, and he just, he's very nice, and, and he's got a nice little sense of humor, and I don't even know how we found him. He was just, just suggested yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, he, yeah he, he, he's, he takes you through the maintenance of how to take care of him, breeding, handling, and closure design. And his, his designs are really cool. He finds really creative ways to do this. Uh, he makes ways where... The piece of bark that he has is laid up against the glass so that oh, yeah, so the spider can, observe, can hide, yeah. but you can turn around and see what's going on whenever it's breeded or whatever, and that's how you can tell if they have egg sacs, and of course you can see how they're doing health-wise, So, because uh, naturally these spiders will try to hide, but the cool thing is, this is one of the things I need to learn more about, because when I had my spider, I kind of think I might have overfed her at times, and that was a problem, but... Uh, I did have her for a while, so it wasn't like she died within weeks of having her, but the reality is... They don't need to eat as much as we think they right, do. Right, like, you know, he says normally these spiders will come out of their little piece of bark when they're hungry, and that's when you go ahead and... You kind of figure it out that, it, that they're hungry. <laughs> right, they're hunting for something at that point, so uh, they're, it's, it's good information to have. Um, and it's actually just very interesting to watch, and... I mean, if you don't like spiders, you're not going to enjoy this, obviously. But I, I would totally, if if you're into the beauty of spiders, and I really, I, I don't know. It's kind of funny because some people are like so scared of spiders, and me, I'm like, oh, it's a spider. I'm more grossed out by the cockroaches that he feeds them, and he, um, I think they're called red runner cockroaches that he feeds yeah. them. And he has a colony. I just saw that on the page. And he, it's like how to care for your red runner colony. And it's literally like, oh, God, I'm getting... Look! Ugh. Well, the funny thing is, like, really... I forgot how big Igor was, but I think that... Um, she was pretty big. Yeah, I think that if I had fed her just one cockroach, that would have been... Like, the size of those would have been fine. Like, she would have been satisfied for weeks. <laughs> You know, the crickets I had were kind of big. They were medium-sized, but... Uh, we would just go get them at the pet shop. She she got hungry at times, though. She would fucking take two or three at a time, like, just crunch them up in her, her jaws and stuff, so... And it's, like, it's like weird, too, because they don't really eat them the way you think. They, like, hold them and suck the life out of them. Right. So, uh, you can find this guy. His name's Dave Fisher. He's on Facebook. It's under Dave's Little Beasties. Uh, same with the YouTube channel. He's got a lot of stuff. He does a lot of stuff almost daily on there, so he's very active. Uh, I'm assuming he's pretty active in chat, too, when he talks to people. Um, so be sure to say hello and uh, check him out, because there's a lot of cool stuff that he's doing in there, a lot of cool creatures. Uh, and he really shows you the best ways to handle them without getting yourself bit. <laughs> and we've never... Ironically, I don't think he's ever picked them up by hand, which is smart. Uh, some people say, well, you can do that. 
if you know how to handle which is probably true but he's more like I'm just going to show them the fucking respect they deserve and I'm not going to get cute and so you will just treat them with a little brush and you know push them along where they need to go and then that's that's all it is he's you know he, he, we watch him do with his little container when he tries to get him back in the container so he can move him from one thing to another and yeah because he they, that's a very scary thing because these things some of them are fast as hell they're fast and they jump and like once they get caught in that little plastic container they're like hopping around trying to get out of there so one false move and that sucker's out of there and mm. then you gotta chase that fucker down uh, but he's very good and shows you exactly how to handle him. And if you're someone who's actually into this kind of stuff with keeping uh, reptiles and snakes and spiders and stuff, this is the guy to check out because he has a lot of great information for you. I agree. Uh, on to another topic. Uh, this was kind of a late bloomer, but we just saw that the Loki series debuted on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So that was another one that we were waiting for Marvel to do. And uh, actually, I really enjoyed the first episode. I, I you know, I wasn't sure what to make, make of it at first because uh, I didn't know much about it. I think we both kind of don't know exactly still what's all going on. But Yeah, because he's in, what is it? He's like in time, yeah, time prison. Yeah, it, it's basically, which is interesting because we've discovered now that everything that you might have thought about Marvel with Thor, Thanos, the, uh, the stones, everything else, the uh, Tesseract, mm-hmm. mean nothing really in this world because this, this, this group, this... Uh, community. Time, yeah, time doesn't exist the way that you know. And, and they, but they're more powerful than anything you've seen because they control the timelines. Now, obviously, when Loki gets there, because he's jump. If you watched uh, Infinity, what was the last one? Infinity War was that the last one? Mm. Or Endgame? Endgame, Endgame. Yeah. We learned that Loki was able to escape from the old timeline because the Tesseract he picked up the Tesseract and he got out of there Um, but of course the timekeepers tracked him and we're going to use him as a you know put him because the the way they look at it they know how and Loki discovers this later they know how Loki's life ends like so they figure he can't dodge that bullet this is almost like Final Destination you can't cheat death and that's basically what they were saying here is that the moment you you left, you changed your own destiny, and so they were going to put him to death. And Loki had seen this like on his replay; he had managed to catch it and show when he'd actually died. Oh, which was kind of sad for him. Uh, and then he was like, "None of this matters." And he was—it was actually kind of like I like the part where he, you know, broke away and he went and he got his tesseract, and um, then he just kind of went back to the room and was sitting. Yeah. And Owen Wilson was like, uh, did you try to use that thing? He's like, oh, yes, yes, many times. <laughs> yeah. And then the one guy who had the Tesseract, he opened up the drawer and he had all these Infinity Stones. He's like, Infinity Stones? He's like, oh, yeah, we keep those as paperweights. Yeah, <laughs> some of the guys like to use them for paperweights and he was like, just shocked that these important things in his world and his timeline mean absolutely nothing yeah here. Like he just didn't know what to think of it you know you, you've got this place where these timekeepers are keeping everything in line but you know we were kind of agreeing with loki that when they were trying to give him shit about leaving his timeline, he's like, well, look, the Avengers are the ones you want to go see. They're the ones fucking up the timeline. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, that's, um, that's but they're like, that's supposed, supposed to, to happen. Be. And he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, they do a good job of trying to make Loki feel bad. Like, you know, he's supposed to be the the reason why the Avengers uh, become who they are, better themselves. And, you know, he's Loki's the bad guy. He's always going to be the god of mischief and this and that. And so now we, you know, Owen Wilson's like, I don't know what his ultimate plan is. I got a feeling that Loki's actually going to play a part in trying to, well, actually well, we know. Well, we know what the thing is. They're chasing himself, beca- himself <laughs> yeah. because he had been jumping through timelines well now he can jump through timelines and she and i guess maybe part of it is like excuse me because um loki kind of understands what's going to happen to him right that he's just like okay because you know now he he understands like time really doesn't matter he's had the tesseract he's been jumping through dimensions he's been jumping through timelines and now he's stuck because he got well, I think it's twofold. We because we learn also there this place, the TVA. They have these, basically, they're soldiers who go around through time and reset things that are wrong. So it could be anything. And they'll be like, "Did you actually say one, two, three, four, five? Right. But it seems like we've we kind of figured out. We haven't really dived into it much. Is that Loki? Owen Wilson wants Loki to help him chase himself down, but now. We know that Loki, whoever the dark Loki is out there, he's killing these soldiers off. Like, he's trying to stop them from doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, it's possible that the same Loki that we're seeing now is going to start to figure this out himself. By He may just end up becoming the same thing. It just may be a, a, a rewrite. Um, which is interesting, because it will tell you that things can kind of run in circles. But... Apparently, the Loki that's out there doing this doesn't want them to fix the timelines. He wants to be able to live in his world, which you can't really blame him. I mean, he, if he knows that he's initially supposed to die, he's going to try everything he can to avoid that. And maybe by fixing this, it might change his uh, timeline. And maybe that's what Loki's thinking. Right. And so, present Loki is probably like, you know, if I do this, maybe I can be forgiven and get him another chance somehow. And, you know, because, you know... We deal. We also find out like some of the things that you watch, where you watch these Marvel movies, you don't understand it. Loki and Thor and all of them, you know, they're always kind of on the run. Loki's always been kind of running around out in space doing whatever he's doing. So he had no idea that he actually did something that led to his mother's death. And, and that that that, that really him hit him too. hard. Yeah, so that really hit him hard. So. You know, and of course, when his dad died, and you know that from Ragnarok, the beginning of Ragnarok, you know, there's that piece there where Odin's telling him how much he loves both Thor and him, because mm-hmm. that's something Odin's always pushed. You know, Odin knows that Loki is a hothead, and you know, would do things to, because he doesn't understand that he comes from a different background, even though they treated him just like an Asgardian. But uh, you know, and this is the thing that I think that Nick and I agree is that Loki's one of the most interesting characters in the whole universe because Hiddleston is funny for one; he does a really great job with the character. Uh, but it's also a character you can tell who, at times, is an anti-hero. He was helping Thor in Ragnarok, and, and then he always feels like he gets like the shaft. Like right. Something happens to Loki all the time, and he's like, "Fuck, what?" And you remember Ragnarok when Thor first gets back there? You know, Loki's. Uh, pretending to be Odin and he's like you know throwing like a, a little play or something where they got some dude like mimicking Thor and, mm-hmm. like, and praising Loki it, it's just so funny and Thor saw through it's like yeah okay quit with the charade <laughs> charade let's see it 
But that, that that's the thing. Loki just kind of feels like that he really needs to be a king of something. And that's always been his thing. Uh, but I think Owen Wilson's kind of trying to tell him or convince him that he can be so much more than just what he's really looking after. And, of course, we'll find out more as the series goes on. But it's been a lot of fun so far. I've really enjoyed it. And now I'm just so worried it's going to be something sad, honestly. Yeah, you know, I I thought about that, too. Because, like, again, I like the character. I just don't know how it's going to end. But you never know. We we know that from the trailer there is a glimpse of Black Widow. And I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, But... You know, again, if Loki's able to bring her out of that, that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to see how it goes. And, you know, we're hoping for a little bit more Loki redemption. But, you know, it could be in the end that he's going to be doing the same thing, like sacrificing himself at the end for whatever. Uh, who knows? Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to watch how it plays out, though. All right, well, let's get back into some music. Mm-hmm. Um Got some new stuff from Mother of All, provided by Quabar PR. Classic Cataclysm, but we're going to kick it off from Brand New Disaster, Arm Architects of Annihilation.
What's up everyone, this is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. 
crank it the fuck up. So, uh, one topic we're going to get to that people are going to be like, why? Why? Why you got to go there? Why do we got to go there? Especially since, well, for me, uh, I was never like a super big fan of the series. Uh, I'm a fan of one particular woman in it. But, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but you know, the show, when I did catch it, was pretty funny. Uh, we're talking about the show Friends uh, when it aired in the late mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, they recently had an HBO Max original where they did a Friends reunion. So they, we initially thought it was going to be like a, a show. Like they did with the my, my favorite, my favorite show, Gilmore Girls, redid a, a mini series called A Year in the Life. And which they may end up doing more with that too. I, I mean, who knows what they might do with Friends. Um, but it was just, they reset up all of the sets. They had you know the outdoor the indoor they had special guests um they were showing old scenes and they they were reacting to them and yeah it was hosted by james corden and uh you know so they they sort of just did this thing where they brought first i think um who was the one first uh i forget his real name uh, who schwimmer David Schwimmer, he was the first one to arrive, and he's checking out the set, and, you know, slowly but surely, each one of them are coming in, I think, um, God, Lisa Crudeau came in next, and then so on and so on, and they were all happy to see each other, I think, funny enough, um, was it Matt LeBlanc, I think he was the one that kind of gained the weight the most? Yeah. So, you know, he looked quite different, and look, he's older, and we get it, so it's not like a big deal, but... Some yeah, but Courtney Cox looked like shit, and she was skinny as hell. She <laughs> she's getting she swears she's not doing any plastic surgery, but yeah. Well, you know, mm -hmm. you, you find out a lot though with actors and actresses; they're trying hard to age well and gracefully, and sometimes it's not going to plan. I mean, Kim Basinger doesn't look near as great that she should at her age now, whereas other women are doing a lot better, but. Never. I feel like they, they try too hard, you know? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's like they get bad advice. <laughs> but, uh, look, in the end, they all were there. They had fun. They were talking, reminiscing. They even had some other uh, guests that popped in. Um, you know, we you talked about how one where Lisa Kudrow's character was singing a song about Smelly Cat. That's her song, Smelly Cat. And then uh, Lady Gaga showed up and was doing it with her. What are they feeding you? <laughs> they talked about their favorite episodes that they were in. Uh, some of the uh, guest people that went like Justin Bieber, David Beckham, Carola Devine. Uh, Brad Pitt was there at one point. Mm -hmm. He uh, was he was on an episode. So they, they had quite a few. And what's his face? Oh God, shit! Uh, Magnum Pi. Oh, uh, P uh Selleck. <laughs> yeah, Tom Selleck. He was yeah. in it for a while, and he was actually dating 
Courtney Cox in the show, it was because he was her eye doctor, <laughs> but he's also about the same age as her parents, and he was getting divorced, so those two started dating. Yeah, and then also we find out that actually Schwimmer and Jennifer Aston actually off screen were kind of liking each other. Yeah, and but they were both involved with other people, so it was like this real like heated. Yeah, so they 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 did. Like, you could tell when they were, as characters, getting together, there was some chemistry there. But at the same time, it was kind of like they couldn't do anything beyond that because they were each involved with someone at the time that they were interested in each other. So, kind of interesting, the uh, little back scene stuff with that. Uh, yeah, you know, it just... You were telling me that uh, HBO Max had said this is, like, the highest... Like a lot of signups for each yeah. So after they after they released the Friends reunion, it says the new data is showing Friends the reunion drove more HBO Max signups than any other Warner Brothers new movies in 2021. So that you know the fine that's the funny thing it tells you that there was quite a bit of a fan base for this show, and that it's still there. Like mm -hmm. the, the, like the love is still there for it. So I mean I like you and I both said I it's not one of those shows that I I continuously watch but I did sit and watch the the whole show mm -hmm. and it wasn't too bad yeah you know it's cool hearing some of the way that some of the actors came to be somewhere like Aniston was actually involved in another type of show uh, before she ended up jumping and going to Friends and they were trying to convince her they're like that show is never going to do anything and right? like, this show is what's going to make you famous and it was it was kind of fun yeah, so it, a lot of cool trivia bits in there, and, you know, you get the cameos from people that showed up. There was, like, even people in the audience that the crew didn't know at first was there, and they were, they were like, directors and talking to them and very happy to see them. So uh, it was a lot of fun for them, you can tell. Uh, now, I don't know if they're ever going to do another thing like Gilmore Girls where they do, like, another miniseries or something. Uh, I'm sure people would love that, but... I think at the same time, they all are kind of, like, happy just not being worrying about that show anymore. Because I think towards the end is when it was getting a little bit, you know, edgy because of money and everything else. And, you know, they had to, like, pay people more money to, to keep it going for at least another season or whatever it was. Uh, which is always interesting because, like, it's funny how it used to be for shows that seven seasons was like your your best thing mm -hmm. uh you know i had buffy and friends and stuff like that but then like you look at like supernatural and that shit went for like 15 years we love that show, that's insane though. but I, I also think too like and that's a show i never thought would even last one or two years they um with with friends when they ended it, you know, Monica and Chandler, they got married, and they had babies, and then they left the apartment. Like, the apartment was the central, you know... Everybody's fighting for that fucking apartment. It belonged to Monica's grandmother, and um, the whole reason that they could live there, because it's, um, in New York, it's hard to find a a rent-stabilized apartment, but it was because her grandparents had rented it years ago so they would lie and say that it was still rented by her grandparents and um but it, it was kind of like the goodbye thing like they bought a house they had the kids you know it, it just kind of like it was a, a nice ending they didn't leave it like 
so open. It's that, not like Game of Thrones where they pissed off everybody. <laughs> and that was the thing. I think because um, it was doing so well with Game of Thrones, they were like, "We need to finish this. We need to do." And like, but the author himself hadn't even like finished up the book, so it was like they just took liberties and did whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like when you get to a point where it's not done right like we did that with chuck like it was a very good series up until like the last the season. last season was okay and then they ended it dreadfully dreadfully and i i like it, it it almost ruined it for me because we loved chuck and i'm like i can't believe they would do this like yeah it just it made no sense um it was upsetting right like, like and these are beloved characters right and you, you get invested with all of them and it's like you know, and that's just the thing. Like, and that's what happens now. Like, I think about like Sons of Anarchy or uh, some other shows I've tried to watch where I get in, uh, Pinky Blinders. Like, I try to get into them, and I get invested in these characters similar to Lost. And then once you start killing off characters I really like, oh, like, you were watching The Vampire Diaries too at one point. You're same like, fucking thing. You're like, Why same, do you kill the people? The I originals. Like? The originals. I was so hooked. You had me. And then season four, you fucked me. And I said, fuck you, I'm out of here. We've done that a few times with, with shows where it's like they just... I mean, I get it. It's not always the people's fault that, that make these because if the actors don't want to continue on with the roles, they want to go into something else that they have to figure out what to do with them. But it was like with Chuck, it was literally the last episode. Right. Like They took the last episode and they destroyed everything that that entire series was working towards. They were working towards... Um, yeah, you yeah. basically had a guy who was doing all these crazy, fantastical things. And he was like a nerd, and he, but he really liked this girl who was a, basically an assassin protector type chick. And, Secret agent of the government. Right, and the, the whole series spent him trying to get closer to her to impress her and be a part of her life and they ended up falling in love right and you know the thing is like at the end it's like it kind of just destroyed all of that like they weren't they didn't hate each other but it was like there was just this like uncomfortable silence almost with them you don't remember what happened i just remember they were on the beach just sitting there and they implanted it in her oh yeah and then because one of the guys um realized that if he activated some kind of neural thing it would make her lose her memory mm. so as she's fighting one of the bad guys he kept taking away her memory and he did she didn't remember chuck that's right yeah and that is lousy <laughs> and then he was so upset but he was like trying to talk to her and trying to be like you know that we've been together for the last like six years you know working together and you know, we're together, and then he kissed her on the beach, and then some people have made their own endings that kind of try to help it, like, his kiss brought back all of her memories, but she was, like, basically erased. She had no, no memory whatsoever anymore, so I get it. Life is not rainbows and sunshine all the time, but you just can't. Yeah, that's, like, the worst I mean, I don't you remember how mad I got? I said, No, I'm mad we were both quite mad. I just, it's been so long that I, I just remembered that it was a very downtrodden ending. And and this is a lighthearted, fun yeah, show. Yeah, serious, right. It was all, yeah, Adam Baldwin in there as Colonel, Colonel Casey. Casey. And 
yeah, it just, it was crazy. Like, and that's the thing. Like, but there's friends, at least they found a way to end it on a high note and, you know, everything. I mean, it's always sad because you're invested in the characters, but just yeah. some shows, like, during. Yeah, Rachel's like, I got off the plane. And then they're hugging and right. hugging. And yeah. So it's just, it's, you know, some series are able to succeed where others can't. Like, I think in some ways I was disappointed with the Buffy series last season. So. It was. It felt like. That was felt really rushed. It felt rushed. People and, were dying all over the place. And it felt like they um, just wanted to try to take every idea they ever had and, and throw it into this, like... <laughs> yeah. So, because Buffy also, it was kind of like a soap opera. Yeah. You know, like the first, you know, couple of seasons with what's going on with Angel and what's going on with, um, you know, her love for Angel. Oh, I'm the Slayer, but I, I'm in love with a vampire. It, so, yeah. it's really... They just kind of, like... And a lot of people complain about the seventh season of Gilmore's Girl, Gilmore Girls too, because it was the original creators left after season six, and left kind of like a really bad like ending of season six. <laughs> so when the writers came in, it wasn't the um, Paladinos who had originally conceptualized it. They just couldn't they couldn't close on a contract deal to continue with the series, so they brought in other um, writers. And I didn't, like, there's a lot of hate in the Gilmore Girl world for that last season and for A Year in the Life. I still love it, you know? I mean, yeah, I it's, mean a, it's, a, it's a show, you know? Right. All right, well, let's get back to some music. I uh, got a lot of new stuff coming at you. Some new Halloween. Neat. Which is interesting because I managed to get, which was cool. Like, I don't know what they're going to go doing forward, but Halloween, as you probably don't know, They've kind of gone through singers throughout the years since the 80s. They, they started out with Michael Kisk, who does, like, I Want Out, mm -hmm. Halloween, all those stuff that I usually play a lot of. Mm -hmm. Then they went to another guy, and then, of course, another guy. And on this track, Skyfall, they've managed to get all three together and some of the other bands, the members that were part of the group, and play together in this one song, which is amazing. Really? Yeah. Uh, but I also have some brand new Burning Witches, uh, very cool stuff, and then brand new Flotsam and Jetsam just came out with a new record, so this is called Cry for the Dead. Neat.
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Is this like the battle of the likes? Is it that, is. Is that where we're at? You know, this is some bullshit. <laughs> some bullshit. Anubis and I both took pictures of each other today, like wearing um, newer t-shirts. Uh, he just got his in the mail. And mine's Atomic Werewolf and his is Pig Destroyer. And he actually, his shorts were like perfectly matching his shirt because it's like black and what, black and red camo and his yeah. shirt is black and red and He's got like a ton of likes and I got 11. <laughs> Nobody likes me. Go share it on some pages. <laughs> no, I'm going to be like, look at you, you fat fuck. Oh my God. All right, well, we're getting ready to jump into our rock block. Neko's pick of the week is up soon. Uh-huh. But uh, we got some new Genghis Tron. Ola England, Steve Von Till. Gary Newman, and here's some brand new Sarith Ungol, Brutish Manchild. Let's talk to you soon. <laughs>
this with blood and laugh Tell me will you stop When everything lies broken in that dust My tears are the rain Whispers of the same You wait to God is pain But this you
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite comic breeding lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace.
back. We're back. Now it's time for Neko's Pick of the Week. And it's a band that her and I have always debated a little bit about when it comes to them and Rush. But well, uh, we both do love this band a lot. This though. is one of my favorite bands. And it's something that, you know, my mom shared with me years ago as a child. And I think I've actually had a few of their songs as a, a Neko Pick of the Week, honestly, because... I love Led Zeppelin, and um, this particular song is just so beautiful. It's kind of like one of their ballads, and I think often it's overlooked for some of their more popular songs, like Cashmere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, we, uh, we always have that joke with Cashmere because we listen to it for eight hours, but not on our own choice because our neighbor was playing cashmere all on repeat day on repeat and it was funny because it took a minute i um i was like i know this is a long song but it feels like it's been playing for hours yeah it's like but on this is the flip side this is a more mellower song and it really it it's like it's a love song and it's beautifully done and I you know it, it makes me very emotional hearing it and of course I have it on vinyl and I really really enjoy this song it's just that's pretty much all it is this isn't like a special you know dedication type song it's not it for me it's just a one of my favorite bands and a song that even I sometimes I don't want to say I forget about it but I sometimes reach to a different Led Zeppelin song when I'm in a Led Zeppelin mood they have so many great tunes exactly so for this week I am just keeping it short and sweet I really I just wanted everyone to experience this song the way that I experience it and when you hear it, like, it is just like an, an ultimate love song. Like, you know, when he says, kind woman, I give you my all, and I'm not even singing like him, but <laughs> it's just, it's all about being in love with this woman and like, she's just inspiring him. So, I mean, that to me, this is just a beautiful love song and Honestly, without further ado, I want you all to really just listen and appreciate this song. This is Led Zeppelin's Thank You. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. 
DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. Refused to shine I would still be loving you When mountains crumble to the sea There will still be you and me Today my world, it smiles Your hand in mine, we walk the miles Thanks to you, it will be done For you to me, I'm the only one I like happiness If the sun refused to shine I would still be loving you Mountains crumble to the sea
Hey everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hey Beak and Zell R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Alright. We're back! Genghis Tron closing out our rock block today with Dream Weapon. So. So. We are at chapter three of The Conjuring. But then they've got like all these side movies too. Yeah. And we checked out the latest from The Conjuring. We liked the first couple. Uh, all right. The first one was really good. Um, but I don't know about you, but the third one, I don't know. It just seems like it's losing its luster a little bit. And... Well, the thing with me is, you know how I am? I research everything. When I found out that... Ed and Lorraine were like found out to be huge frauds. So I get it. This it, is it's changed your it mentality. It changed my mentality. I understand. This is a movie. It's pretend. But I I just think it's really funny that like the, everybody put so much into the Amityville horror and you know Ed and Lorraine were supposedly involved in that and it's because in this movie specifically. They used so much of Lorraine's magic powers to, like, <laughs> yeah. solve the mystery and solve the crime. and Which we should probably give you, like, the premise of this one. This one, basically, the Warrens are invited to do an exorcism on a little boy who's possessed by some spirit. And when they... Well, they don't really succeed. In fact, it really hits the... Mr. Warren very hard. Like, mm -hmm. he has to go to the hospital. Well, he, he ends up having... Because they were doing the exorcism, and while they were doing it, the demon, like, got... It, it like, hit Ed. Yeah. And gave him a heart attack or something. So he was on heart medicine, and it was kind of crazy. But there's another young man who was dating, I believe, the sister of the young kid who was possessed, and he had sort of, like, done his... Just basically told the demon, like, use me, leave the kid... And at that point, it happened, but no one really caught it except for Ed, who was actually in the hospital, so he couldn't really tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And so, for a few days after that, everyone thought everything was fine, there was no problems. But then, of course, the young man who had taken the demon in started to have issues, and he actually killed somebody. And he didn't realize it, like he right. blacked out and killed someone. Uh, now, in the midst of all this, we... It, I've been kind of reading this little article, and really the article kind of makes a good point that this movie is more about detective work and beating the clock than it is about the supernatural or paranormal. Now, there is both of those in it, but we kind of find that uh, there's a, another player in the game who's a, a Satanist, and they're cursing just random people because they, all they want is destruction of the world. They have these like little talismans that they... Yeah, it's almost like the Blair Witch type shit. It's like yes, a, it is. You're right. So, this person, uh, which you'll, you know, if you're watching, you'll find out later who, who they are and where they come from and what they're doing, but basically they're just out for destruction. I don't care who they're doing it to. It doesn't matter who's uh, becoming possessed or whatever they just they do want to do it because they're trying to like disrupt the world i guess and so as the movie goes along the warrens kind of learn these facts and they try to chase down what's going on they have to figure out how to beat it 
and you know you just got a lot of different things going on it's not like the first couple of films or some of the side films where it's mostly just about ghosts and possess uh, items and stuff like that so it is really like Anubis said it's kind of like a detective film there's the police are involved they're trying to figure out the source of where all this evil is coming from and again they figure a lot of this stuff out with Lorraine's magic so yeah and the thing is like the guy that Michael Chase who actually directed this also directed The Curse of La Rona who we watched that film not too long ago as well uh, which is another part of all this and it just it's losing a lot of steam because it just stories just aren't very interesting i guess i mean it could be but i don't know they're not executed as well the first the thing that made the first film so great was it was all done with atmosphere and you know what you couldn't see and then of course the ending and stuff like that but now it's just becoming like by the numbers and you know i think they're just running out of good storytelling and you know unlike some of the other series of that we see you know with movies and you know like even you know let's talk about the monsterverse like they have different directors but the movies are all consistently mm -hmm. good in their own way even though they're different but this isn't the fact with this particular series of movies so it's just running clearly out of steam you know they've done stuff like annabelle and the nun and all this other stuff but you know, those are great when they're combined with the original Conjuring stories. But uh, as their own, they kind of lose a little bit of the luster there. Oh, this is interesting. Lorraine had a cameo in the original Conjuring. I think I remember that, yeah. But, yeah, you know, it's... I mean, it's okay, but I think I gave it like a 4 out of 10. Like, I just... I, I knew like about halfway through that the person that was like creating all the, the drama for everything was I just wanted them dead like <laughs> you know because you know they were clearly an evil character that mm -hmm. had no business like doing what they were doing but it's just like once you, and as far as like it's funny about it it's halfway through you already kind of know that it's not just ghosts doing shit it's like somebody's actually conjuring these things up and so that kind of gives away the story a little bit. It's not like a surprise ending or something, you know, like what, what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of it. It's like you kind of already know that there's, oh, we know that someone's making this shit up happen and whatnot. So it's it's kind of like, okay, well, now we just got to find who it is and take care of them. But it's... It's, a, it's interesting, too, because, like, I was saying, like, there are people who claim Ed and Lorraine are hoaxes, and then there's other people who claim that... Like, her clairvoyance was far above average. So, I mean, it, it's... Um, they're actually... They actually used to keep their occult museum open, but it closed to the public in 2019. I think Lorraine died not that long ago. But um, I think with this kind of... This movie, they apparently, throughout their lives, they actually did take on cases for free and help people and Lorraine worked with law enforcement on lots of different missing person cases like this all through the 80s and I think they really are trying to incorporate a lot of their actual real life scenarios so like in this the stories yeah so in this movie like the part with Ed having the heart attack 
it didn't actually happen. He had multiple heart attacks, but it didn't actually happen while he was doing an exorcism. He actually ended up, did end up having a heart attack that kept him in a wheelchair for several months. So that really did happen. They were trying to pull like true, true yeah, things. Yeah, and there about. is a there is a side story where Lorraine has to go and help the police find uh, a young girl, which I think is all still connected to the main thing that they're trying to chase down. But that kind of goes back to what you said about her lending a hand mm-hmm. for solving crimes. So, I mean, it, they you know, regardless of where you fall on whether you believe the warrants or not, with everything that they've done. You know the movies are okay. It's it's meant to be I think, entertaining. I think for us though, like we're I'm I'm becoming such a skeptic on everything, and I'm like ah, oh, you know, a lot of this stuff is really more you can put it in the mental illness category, or is it really paranormal? Well, and, and that you know we talked about the end of a horror, and it's like the young boy who actually lived there had a doc on it. You know, he actually said there was no haunting. Like he just was talking mainly about the troubles with his dad and, you know, the abuse that happened in the home. And sort of like the dad and them tried to, like, use this the haunting of the, the murders of whatever happened in the house before mm-hmm. as some sort of way to, like, distract from that. And the Warrens took advantage of that. So, you know, if you believe it or not, it's up to you. But, you know, the reality is, like, there is some serious questions about how legit the warrants are, and people have challenged that quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, just you know, if you want to check it out, you can. It's on HBO Max. It's free. It was for a okay. Long. Like we we didn't hate it. We just you know it was yeah. okay. Yeah, we, we we're probably it, not going to watch it ever again. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not ever going back to that. So it, it won't matter for me and her, but. If you want to check it out, do so. It's called The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And it is based off true stories, but, uh, you know, take it for what it is. We're going to get back some music. And uh, new Unfathomable Ruination, Typhonian, and here's some brand new Bird Flesh, People of the Leprosy.
Tavern Radio. Come get it. Good lip. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. <laughs> I love, I love that little clip. Yeah, fucking Clarkson is the shit. I don't appreciate your ruse. <laughs> so, uh, noobs had the selection this week. And, uh, I, it's totally a noobs movie, I can tell you that. Yeah. Did you ever see it? No, I, I can't. I, I mean, I might have when I was younger because it's one of those movies that got played a lot yeah. on HBO and stuff when I was a kid, and I'm pretty sure I at least saw a little bit of it, but it was never something that I was, like, watching a lot of. Right. The funny backstory for me was, uh, now this movie came out in 1981, and... My parents, we, you know, with my sisters and myself, we all, my sisters went to see something else, like, uh, I can't remember what it was, like some sort of animated movie, but. It might have been, uh, what was coming out in 81? Um, I don't know, but it was, they, yeah. but they were really young, uh, but it was funny because I had my heart set on this particular movie, and I was about 11, and when we got to the theater, my parents were going to go see Porky's. <laughs> and so my dad's like, are you sure you don't want to come watch this with us? And I'm like... Porky's is not appropriate for an 11-year-old. Well, but if you have adult supervision, obviously. But, but you know, and I'm 11. So I'm like, oh, I get to see boobies. Boobs. So I'm like, do I want to see Porky's or do I want to see Dragon Slayer? And if I had hindsight, I'd go back. I would totally go back and watch Dragon Slayer. Like, I did like Borky's. It was funny, but, you know, it's just one of those things like you're watching something with your parents and it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I should be here sitting with them with this. Did fall and live with Kim Cattrall at that point, though. Yeah. Uh, but Dragon Slayer, I saw, you know, as Neko said, I think it was played a lot on HBO and other movie channels, as you know, throughout the 80s, and I did get a chance to see it. And uh, I, I fell in love with it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it is totally a you movie. It really yeah. is. But I was actually not familiar with the fact that Walt Disney was involved with it. Like, apparently it was a joint production between Walt Disney and Paramount. And 
but now that I we watched it again, I'm watching the animatronics of the the dragon and the babies and stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I can see it. I can see where that would come in there. With like, has that whole like puppeteer type mm-hmm. thing going on. And uh, we did see. Um, I we, we pointed out when we were watching it. Um, Brother Jacobus. Played by Ian McDermott. He's the guy that would go on to play uh, the Sith Lord in the later Star Wars movies. The ones from the late 90s and early 2000s. Which I thought was funny because I I recognized him. He had these certain mannerisms as he was a a religious man in this movie, Dragon Slayer. Mm -hmm. But the way he said certain things, trying to like, you know, like... Go away, you foul beast! And like the way he was saying, it's like, oh my god, it's a fucking Dark Lord. <laughs> it's I'm Senator like, Palpatine. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, holy shit! And what is that beating my mess? And he's really kind of like the biggest guy or star that I was familiar with. The the actual stars, uh, Peter McNichol, Caitlin Clark, and Ralph Richardson, um, they were actually the main trio of the movie, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Unfortunately, Caitlin Clark passed away in 2004, which said that she passed. But uh, they were really kind of like a bunch of unknowns. But it kind of works for this movie because that's just the way the movie's designed. It really, they, the star here is the dragon and the animatronics. Like, the way that they did this dragon mm-hmm. is flat-out amazing. Like, just all over the place. It looks great. Uh, the way they've got the, the fly and how it looked on screen now granted some of the effects when we go back and watch it you can see it's pretty dated it's not as clean as you would see nowadays of course cgi probably wouldn't use but oh, but it was very like it's what what's the uh, term that they use um practical yeah yeah practical effects with... for that time period because that's the same year clash of the titans came out that's the kind of shit that we like a lot of the old uh you know, when you actually have to put special effects in there, you have to actually do it, not CGI-wise. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the way they got that shit to work, even with the baby dragons, uh, was very cool. And, and, and funny enough, for a somewhat Disney movie, it had some gore in there, like, you know, which you wouldn't really expect, like when the, the princess gets eaten by the babies. <laughs> that was kind of crazy. <laughs> maybe, like... maybe that was like Disney's way, like, hey, we're going to fuck with people. Your, your princess is going to die. <laughs> nibbling on her like she's yeah. laying there and right. they're like just nibble 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 but yeah the the movements of the dragon when he's inside the cave uh mcnichols character galen he's the one thing that was pointed out about this was it they didn't want to use your customary traditional medieval type people there wasn't any knights or anything like that it was just regular village people and then you had your like you're a king, of course, but they were not any, like, real knights. Um, and they said the concept was all based upon, which I found interesting, uh, if you remember the Sorcerer's Apprentice from Fantasia, mm-hmm. that little mm-hmm. segment. That's all. What that's This movie's based off of that, concept-wise. And uh, I just thought it was really cool. And I kind of knew you hadn't seen it, or at least remembered it. So I thought, well, this would be fun to go back. I know some people were talking about it. I don't know if it's been re-released on dvd and blu-ray or something but uh i've had it for a little while um and i just hadn't seen it in a while so i thought it was great to go back and revisit that film i Uh, thought it was cool like again this is not my style of movie there's so many like 
similarities with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Even with the haircut, I was like, look, it looks like Frodo. But honestly, the practical effects were what I really dug. And I really liked, um, what was his name? Gideon? The, uh, the, the like, sorcerer's apprentice who becomes the sorcerer. Galen. 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 Yeah. I really, really liked him. He was funny. And then when he, like, quote unquote got his powers when the amulet was like glowing and stuff he was like so full of himself and it was just it was cute yeah so basically the basis of this movie is you've got this village uh run by this king and they they're being terrorized by a dragon which i didn't catch it the first few times i've watched it but apparently the dragon as it gets older it gets it's kind of painful like the just the shedding of the scales and you know whatever else is going on with it but it was getting mad and like basically torching the shit out of these villages but they sort of like dragons are smart like you know mythology mythology proves or tells us that that they were quite intelligent beasts and so what the kingdom basically did was we're going to sacrifice virgins to you every so often that you can just hold off and not tear our shit up but obviously certain villagers wanted to put it into that they weren't happy with that they had this lottery for all the girls in the kingdom except for the princess who was the king's daughter we find out that never had to participate yeah he he took her name out of the lottery just because she's the king's daughter and right. if you had money you could avoid it but you uh, could pay off the king and when she finds out she was like distraught which i always found funny we talked about it at the time it was like you know if if I'm that father of the of, uh, Valerian, the Caitlin Clark mm-hmm. character, I'd have been like, "You're gonna go get laid, okay? We're not gonna have you being sacrificed." Yeah, okay, go fuck somebody. Right? Like it's like no one thought of that as as like their daughters. Like just go fuck somebody, man. You know, you don't have to be a virgin. You know, it's just it cracked me up. But uh, yeah, so Valerian and a few others, her father and a few others, decided they were gonna visit this. Uh, wizard named Ulrich uh, played by Ralph Richardson and uh, he's probably long dead by now he was old in that film so I'm assuming he's pretty much gone at this point but he was a good actor and uh, so they come to him and he's kind of like just chilling and teaching Galen you know he's his apprentice so he's kind of just teaching him the ways of wizardry and learning you know magic and stuff like that and so they finally I don't know he, they kind of like try to convince Ulrich to come, but I think Ulrich kind of sees like this vision and his fire thing that he's got going on. And he also like uh, he made this comment that he's ready to die. Like he, it was just very. Uh, but it was also part of a plan. Which true, we find out true. Later. But it was like very nonchalant. He's like, "Yeah, I can't wait to die." Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah. ready. I'm, I'm. It's time. It's time. I said the words. Right. Time to die. So. He doesn't even make it out of the village because there's this other guy, Tyrion, who works for the king, who doesn't believe that there should be inter- interference. They kind of like the way things are going, like killing all these villagers, virgin children and whatnot. And why is it always a virgin? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, Ulrich ends up dying there before he even gets out the gates but then Galen chases down the group and says look I'm, I'm the guy that takes over for Ulrich so I'll be the guy to go to kill this dragon and so we get some They're like you're so you're a bit you're a child you know right 
so we do get a moment where he's, as you, Neko pointed out, he's got this little amulet that he's wearing from his uh, master, and it can do certain things, so he brings down this mountain a little bit more than he wanted to, but it covers the hole of where the dragon was, so everyone thinks, oh yeah, great, he took care of it, awesome. And of course, he can't really impress the king, because the king kind of is too smart for him, knows what the amulet is doing for him, and that he's just a rookie at everything he's doing anyway. So they kind of put him in prison because they're kind of pissed that he's angered this dragon. They already know that the dragon's going to come back. Mm. And it does. And it wreaks some havoc a little bit. And then uh, at some point, Galen gets out because the princess, uh, Princess Elspeth, uh, the king, lets him out because she couldn't believe that her father was not putting her name in the lottery. She's very honorable in that suspect. And so, yeah, she was distraught. Like So even when they had the next lottery, her and she rigged it to where her name was the only one in the fucking thing, and the king was pissed off, but ironically, the king got very sad and was like, goes to Galen and says, I need you to kill this dragon for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Valerian's father has this, like, spear, dragon spear that he had, that he had kept around because he was a forger. Um, and he had helped, you know, fix it up. And, of course, Galen had his little amulet to help spark it up a little bit. And he goes in the cave and he starts trying to kill the dragon. Doesn't necessarily work. Uh, it does create some problems. Kills the kid, the little baby dragon. So that... And then pisses off Mommy. Yeah, Mommy was not really happy about that. Um, the spear breaks in the neck of the dragon, so he doesn't kill it so he knows that they gotta figure something else out and he finally realizes something that his master told him that he should go back to the cavern and there's like a lake of fire where this dragon lives although it wasn't there at the time that he goes there uh, the second time and manages to resurrect Ulrich and he was like super happy to see his master right but Ulrich is like look this is what's gonna have to happen you're going to have to destroy the amulet only when I tell you to. Or you will know You will when. know when. And, of course, the girl he's with is in a rush. He's like, <laughs> she's like just destroy just the fucking destroy thing. destroy it. He's like, not yet. <laughs> he hasn't given me the sign. And uh, I won't give too much away, but uh, it's, it's a really great movie. Um, it's dated, obviously. But if you're, if you're like us and you like a lot of the old monster movies and stuff like that like as much if you as you like practical effects you'll you'll enjoy yeah, it yeah like i love rain of fire and that's a really great movie but this movie for at that time just is really awesome just in how they put it together and uh it you know the characters you know the actors like i think caitlin clark they said was mainly a, a i don't know if it's a broadway where she was more like a stage like actor. a stage actress yeah and she said she had learned more from Ralph Richardson more than anything she had taken in acting classes at the time. So she did go back eventually in 2000 and start teaching uh, acting and stuff. But again, she passed away in 2004. Oh, no. But, uh, you know, as far as the, you know, you're not going to see any real famous names in this, but it's a really good film and it's solid. Definitely worth checking out. I agree. Check it out. It's, if you like fantasy, if you like Lord of the Rings, if you like practical effects, if you like stories about virgins being sacrificed to dragons, it's what you want to see. Yeah, no, there's no, well, there's a little bit of boobies in it, because there is one scene where 
Okay. <laughs> Galen jumps in the water and you see a side boob. Yeah, side boob. Uh, but it's fine. It's it's a good film. Check it out. Four stars, noobs and Neko. <laughs> You're lumping me in with those four stars. Yeah. Oh my god. Ah. <laughs> All right, let's get back into some music. Uh, this is going to be a favorite for Neko because it's mainly Doomish stuff. So. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Brand new stuff from Hanging Garden, The Flight of Slipnir, and Nadja. Here's Hanging
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and is highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
brand new Impaled Nazarene Apocalypse Perverter. What exactly is an apocalypse? I don't know, you have to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in for this episode of the Hordes of Chaos. We love your support, obviously. And we love doing all this for you and providing all the great music for you all. We love our fans. You alls. Y'alls. Kelly Clarkson, y'all. Y'all! <laughs> uh, many thanks to Kobar PR for one of the tracks we played today. Uh, many thanks to the others that provided all the new music I got uh, to play for you as well as the classic stuff. Got one last track for you. Uh, it's an album that came out a year or two ago from Decadent that I really loved. And uh, we're going to close out with a track from that. The Laventine Betrayal. And Neko and I will see you next time. Peace.
Thank you.